Volume Two, Chapter Twenty Three of Gwenwin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Gwenwin, a Romance of the Wye by Main Reed. Volume Two, Chapter Twenty Three. A Gauche d'Amour pacing to and fro with stride jerky and irregular shenstone at length makes stops in front of the fireplace not to warm himself there is no fire in the grate nor yet to survey his face in the mirror above his steps are arrested by something he sees resting upon the mantel-shelf a sparkling object in short a cigar-case of the beaded pattern why should that attract the attention of the young herefordshire squire causing him to start as it first catches his eye in his lifetime he has seen scores of such without caring to give them a second glance but it is just because he has looked upon this one before or fancies he has that he now stands gazing at it on the instant after reaching towards and taking it up Aye, more than once has he seen that same cigar-case. He is now sure, as he holds it in his hand, turning it over and over, seen it before its embroidery was finished, watched fair fingers stitching the beads on, cunningly combining the blue and amber and gold, tastefully arranging them in rows and figures. Two hearts central transfixed by barbed, and feathered shaft all save the lettering he now looks upon and which was never shown him many a time during the months past he had hoped and fondly imagined the skilful contrivance and elaborate workmanship might be for himself now he knows better the knowledge revealed to him by the initials v r entwined in the monogram and the words underneath from gwen three days ago the discovery would have caused him a spasm of keenest pain not so now after being shown that betrothal ring no gift no pledge could move him to further emotion he but tosses the headed thing back upon the mantel with the reflection that he to whom it belongs has been born under a more propitious star than himself still the little incident is not without effect it restores his firmness with a resolution to act as originally intended this is still further strengthened as ryecroft enters the room and he looks upon the man who has caused him so much misery a man feared but not hated for shenstone's noble nature and generous disposition hinder him from being blinded either to the superior personal or mental qualities of his rival a rival he fears only in the field of love in that of war or strife of other kind the doughty young west country squire would dare even the devil no tremor in his frame no unsteadfastness in the glance of his eyes as he regards the other stepping inside the open door and with a card in hand coming towards him 
long ago introduced and several times in company together but cool and distant they coldly salute holding out the card ryecroft says interrogatively is uh, this meant for me mr shenstone yes some matter of business i presume may i ask what it is the formal inquiry in tone passive and denying throws the fox-hunter as upon his haunches at the same time its evident cynicism stings him to a blunt if not rude rejoinder i want to know what you have done with miss wynne he so challenged starts aback turning pale and looking distraught at his challenger while he repeats the words of the latter with but personal pronoun changed what i have done with miss wynne then adding pray explain yourself sir come captain ryecroft you know what i allude to for the life of me i don't do you mean to say you're not aware of what's happened what's happened when where at Langoran, the night of that ball, you were present, I saw you. And I saw you, Mr. Shenstone, but you don't tell me what happened. Not at the ball, but after. Well, and what after? Captain Rycroft, you're either an innocent man, or the most guilty on the face of the earth. Stop, sir. Language like yours requires justification of the gravest kind. I ask an explanation. Demand it thus brought to bay george shenstone looks straight in the face of the man he has so savagely assailed there to see neither consciousness of guilt nor fear of punishment instead honest surprise mingled with keen apprehension the last not on his own account but hers of whom they are speaking intuitively as if whispered by an angel in his ear he says or thinks to himself this man knows nothing of gwendolen wynne if she has been carried off it has not been by him if murdered he is not her murderer captain ryecroft he at length cries out in hoarse voice the revulsion of feeling almost choking him if i have been wronging you i ask forgiveness and you'll forgive for if i have you do not cannot know what has occurred i've told you i don't affirms ryecroft now certain that the other speaks of something different and more serious than the affair he had himself been thinking of for heaven's sake mr shenstone explain what has occurred there miss wynne is gone away miss wynne gone away but whither nobody knows all that can be said is she disappeared on the night of the ball without telling anyone no trace left behind except except what a ring a diamond cluster i found it myself in the summer-house you know the place you know the ring too i do mr shenstone have reasons painful ones but i am not called upon to give them now nor to you what could it mean he had speaking to himself thinking of that cry he heard when being rowed off it connects itself with what he hears now seems once more resounding in his ears more than ever resembling a shriek but sir please proceed for god's sake keep nothing back 
tell me everything thus appealed to shenstone answers by giving an account of what has occurred at langoran court all that had transpired previous to his leaving and frankly confesses his own reasons for being in boulogne the manner in which it is received still further satisfying him of the other's guiltlessness he again begs to be forgiven for the suspicions he had entertained mr shenstone returns ryecroft you ask what i am ready and willing to grant god knows how ready how willing if any misfortune has befallen her we are speaking of however great your grief it cannot be greater than mine shenstone is convinced ryecroft's speech his looks his whole bearing are those of a man not only guiltless of wrong to gwendolen wynne but one who on her account feels anxiety keen as his own he stays not to question further but once more making apologies for the intrusion which are accepted without anger he bows himself back into the street the business of his travelling companion in boulogne was over some time ago his is now equally ended and though without having thrown any new light on the mystery of miss wynne's disappearance still with some satisfaction to himself he dares not dwell upon where is the man who would not rather know his sweetheart dead than see her in the arms of a rival however ignoble the feeling or base to entertain it it is natural to the human heart tortured by jealousy too natural as george shenstone that night knows with head tossing upon a sleepless pillow too late to catch the folkestone packet his bed is in boulogne no bed of roses but a couch procrustean meanwhile captain ryecroft returns to the room where his friend the major has been awaiting him impatiently though not in the interim unemployed as evinced by a flat mahogany box upon the table and beside it a brace of duelling pistols which have evidently been submitted to examination they are the best barkers that can be got in boulogne we shan't need them major after all the devil we shan't he's shown the white feather no mahon instead proved himself as brave a fellow as ever stood before sword point or dared pistol bullet then there's no trouble between you ah yes trouble but not between us sorrow shared by both we're in the same boat in that case why didn't you bring him in i didn't think of it well we'll drink his health and since you say you've both embarked in the same boat a bad one here's to your reaching a good haven and in safety thanks major the haven i now want to reach and intend entering ere another sun sets is the harbour of folkestone the major almost drops his glass why ryecroft you're surely joking no mahon i'm in earnest dead anxious earnest well i wonder no i don't he adds correcting himself a man needn't be surprised at anything where there's a woman concerned may the devil take her who's taking you away from me major mahon well well old boy 
don't be angry i meant nothing personal knowing neither the lady nor the reason for thus changing your mind and so soon leaving me let my sorrow at that be my excuse you shall be told it this night now in another hour major mahon is in possession of all that relates to gwendolen wynne known to vivian ryecroft no more wondering at the anxiety of his guest to get back to england nor doing aught to detain him instead he counsels his immediate return accompanies him to the first morning packet for folkestone and at the parting handshake again reminds him of that well-timed grip in the ditch of Delhi, exclaiming god bless you old boy whatever the upshot remember you a friend and a bit of a tent to shelter you in boulogne not forgetting a little comfort from the crather end of chapter twenty three read by lars rolander